Welcome to the Hemp Entrepreneur Podcast. We tell the stories of the pioneers and innovators building businesses in hemp across the U.S. All right. Hey, it's Coach Freddie with the iHemp Revolution Roadshow. Yeah, you right. Getting on the road again. Et quoi. Though this week's guest may have many years of playing the foie under his belt, he's better known driving around his classic Austin Healy via the iHemp Revolution Roadshow throughout the United States. Coach Freddie Ciccini of iHemp Revolution Podcast is one of industrial hemp's most colorful and well-known ambassadors. Join us as we talk hemp and mission-driven business with Coach Freddie. And I'm co-host Cameron McIntosh, and this is the Hemp Entrepreneur Podcast. Before we launch into our episode, let's take a moment for a sponsor, Hempicator. Hempicator is the largest internet directory for industrial hemp with over 1,600 listings in 39 categories, plus hemp-related news, events, and jobs. If you are looking for hemp-related products, services, or resources, check out Hempicator at hempicator.com. We're live uh, this week. Uh, from the Hemp House on Wheels uh, with Coach Freddie. This is the Hemp Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you for having me, guys. So I appreciate it. You're you're from Pittsburgh, right? Yes, I am. Tell me a little bit about your life. Uh, I, you, you said something about uh, you know baking. You know that's yeah. sort of your entry into entrepreneurship. Yeah, uh, you know, I grew up in western Pennsylvania in a little town called uh, New Kensington, just 18 miles north of Pittsburgh on the Allegheny River. And, uh, you know, uh, back in high school we had a saying, you know, life is too serious about getting serious about. And uh, when I look back at my career, I kind of adopted that attitude. You know, and I have a saying, if I ain't having fun, I ain't doing it. Especially at my age when I'm out here traveling around. I grew up in western Pennsylvania, and um, I, right out of high school, I got a job working in Princess Pastry. And uh, that was my first introduction into the business world. And uh, I had some great men- mentors then. Um, the head baker, Herb, he took a liking to me. And what he did was he became my mentor, my teacher, and my coach. He taught me everything he knew about baking. And so I wanted to be a professional baker. So, why why baking? Um, at that time, it was just a job. I'm out of high school. I'm 18 years old, and I needed some work. And it just so happened that my friend D worked in a bakery, and he recommended me. So I started at the low low totem pole on, you know, in a bakery, scrubbing the floors, you know, frying donuts. And this is where Herb came in to really taken a liking to me and teach me. So you were a baker and then you moved out to San Francisco. Right, right. And when did hemp happen for you? Um, it happened in 2014. I went through a whole career phase with, with, with baking. I ran the world's largest uh, sourdough Frenchwood bakery in San Francisco because I had graduated from the American Institute of Baking. So I had that, that job out there and then that was my you know, introduction to business and big business. Fast forward to 2014, and I attended my first meeting uh, with the hemp industry at Avery uh, Brewing Company in Boulder, Colorado. And it was uh, Zev Pace, who was the uh, 
owner uh, or the founder of the Rocky Mountain Hemp Association. There was Jared Paulus, who was a son, uh, congressman at that time. He's now the governor of Colorado. I met him there. And um, uh, Bob Hoban of Hoban Law Group, that's big in, in hemp now. He's one of the main people in hemp. And um, they talked about, you know, the importance of the benefits of hemp for people, benefits hemp with uh, the uh, sustainability and the planet and profitability. And that fit my business philosophy to a T, the triple bottom line, people, planet, and profit. And so I looked at that and I says, this is a, something I wanted to get involved with. And how can I contribute to this, this industry? And then uh, Zeb Pace uh, said to me, you know, he says, well, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I'm putting a podcast together for my coaching. Um, he said, well, why don't you do a podcast for industrial hemp? And so he talked to me in, in, uh, later on that year, and uh, he said he would supply me with some names that people he thought would be a good candidate for an interview for a podcast. And so in December or January of 2015, I started uh, getting everything prepared to do podcasts. And I got the software and you know microphones and all that stuff, and where to put it up on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And then, in, I guess it was uh, July, I started contacting people. In August of 2015, I started recording. And on September 2nd, 2015, I launched the iHemp Revolution podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you come up with the name? Um, what was the initial reception? What's the overall vision? The name iHemp is, I stands for industrial hemp. So I had an iPhone, and I was going to put it on iTunes. I figured iHemp, industrial hemp. So I kind of coined that term, and I've been using it ever since, and people love it. I, the iHemp revolution, and now I travel on with my Austin Healy and a little trailer around the United States, and it's the iHemp Revolution Roadshow. So uh, I've been using iHemp, and it caught on. It's something different, and people, people seem to like it. So how did you find yourself on the campaign trail, Freddie, in the uh, 2016 election cycle? Oh, yeah. I was, uh, that started me to travel. Uh, this is before I started on the IHAMP Revolution Roadshow. Uh, Rick Trojan was one of the first people that I recorded, uh, second or third or something like that. And um, this was in, in September that I recorded him. And in uh, November, he called me up on the phone and he says, Coach, you want to do another podcast? And I said, sure. What do you want? I was in, living in the Virgin Islands at the time, and I said, we'll do it remotely, and I'll put you up there. I said, what's the subject? What do you want to talk about? He says, the hemp road trip. I said, what's the hemp road trip? He says, well, I just bought a, uh, a, one of these old mini buses, and we're going to wrap it with uh, advertising and everything, and we're going to follow the caucuses all around the United States so we can talk to the senators and congressmen and people running for office and tell them all about industrial hemp. And so we started off, um, you know, and I was in, I, I can remember, he says, I says, how many people do you have? He says, well, uh, just me so far. I said, how many people is gonna go? I said, yeah, maybe five or six people, I'm not sure. And I said, well, that would be cool to do. And he says, well, why don't you come along with me? And I said, he says, there'll be a good chance for you to meet all kind of people, do your podcast, and you can help uh, you know, drive and all this. I, I love driving anyhow. So I ended up, 
I said to him, well, when do you want to leave? And he says, January 31st, because the caucuses were coming up, right? Mm -hmm. So he said, January 31st, I says, Rick, do you know where I'm at now? I says, I'm in the Virgin Islands. It's nice and warm. It's sunny here. That's why I'm here. I don't like the cold. You're asking me to come back to the uh, to Colorado, travel across the Midwest with blizzards and snowstorms and freezing. I don't know about that. So I, I said, I got to think about it. So I thought about it for about a week. And I said, well, I grew up in Pennsylvania. There's snow there. And, and I said. So you did it. I did it. I said. <laughs> Heck, what I say would be good. You know, I looked at it. I said it would be good for you know doing podcasts and for me to meet a lot of people, and it was. And how how long were you on the road? Uh, we were on the road for about uh, two months. Wow. We just you know there were four of us. It was me, Rick Trojan, uh, Dea, uh, which was she was about fifty, and then we had this young gal, uh, uh, Maggie. She was uh, just out of college. She was like twenty one, twenty two years old. So where did you find yourself talking to people in that and on that trip? Where would you talk to people? Where would you stop? And you know how did that? It was, we had places lined up to where we can speak, and, and Rick did a lot of the speaking, and I was just in the background, kind of you know talking about hemp to everybody, and um, it was a great experience, and I we touched a lot of people, and um, Rick's been doing. He's still going on the on the trip, and every year I go with him to start with, and then. After that, uh, later on in the year, that's when I started the IHAMP Revolution Road Show with my Austin Healey 3000 in a little trailer that I, I, I tow behind it. And that, that trip sort of seeded you with uh, podcast ideas and contacts and all exactly. sorts of stuff, right? Exactly. And, you know, that, that was, I met so many people, great people across the country. Um, and then, you know, you meet all these good people and then they said, hey, if you're coming through, you can stay here, coach, you know, and I go, okay. So I got my car and I stayed here, there and everything and so forth. So it was, it was really great. I love driving, but I love talking to people. I love introducing this concept of what I call I-hemp, industrial hemp, and it's the industrial hemp movement. It's, that is to me, as a culture, as a society, it's all, it was all about money. And all my experiences through, through my career growing up, I worked with a lot of companies that didn't take care of people. They didn't take care of the planet. Right. And I had it with those, those things. And in, you know, in the 90s, I decided that I, was, I studied with Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, Bob Proctor, all of those guys, and took their courses. And then I decided that uh, I wanted to learn how to meditate. So in 1996, I took a course in meditation, transcendental meditation. Then with Deepak Chopra, I took uh, primordial sound meditation, and then I became a meditation instructor with the Chopra Center for Well-Being in 1998. And that's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to have anything to do with business anymore. Wow. I just wanted to teach people to be more relaxed, more focused. I just wanted to teach people meditation. And so that started me back into the business world because I had to create programs that would, for meditation, that would work in and make sense in businesses. And is that where the name Coach Freddy came from? That's where, yeah, wow. that's the way it came from, yeah. I've always used nicknames all my life, you know, so Coach Freddy came from that, yeah. What, what nickname did you have before Coach Freddy? Well, uh, some of the things that I sold, <laughs> I, I sold fax machines. Guess what I was called then? Facsimile Freddy? 
Fax Freddy. <laughs> and then I paid, played music, you know, and I played with a lot of Zydeco bands and Cajun bands, and I played a fratois. That, that's another word for washboard. Uh. And I played all over the place. And I, uh, because I was from San Francisco, I started calling myself Frisco Freddy. I can use all of those roles really to, to promote and educate people about the many uses of industrial hemp, I hemp. So that's what it's all about. You sort of found yourself on the cutting edge of a lot of things in yeah. your life too, haven't you, Freddie? Yes, yes. And, it, and you notice on, the, on my pictures here that we're looking at, it's the, the my car is parked in front of a uh, industrial hemp field, the true industrial hemp. It's not CBD, it's not the marijuana. And that's why I got into this, not because of CBD, but CBD has taken over. You got to look at this industry, and there's over 25,000 uses and in, in counting of industrial hemp. CBD it's is one, one of, of those things. That's why, and now I'm so excited to meet here with you guys that are industrial hemp. Since 2015, 2016, since you started the iHemp revolution, what have you seen change in industrial hemp, in businesses and products and in people who are participating in the, the hemp revolution? Yeah, uh, what I've seen is most of the people getting into it at the beginning had a passion for it, they had a purpose, they wanted to help people, uh, they seen the long term. And then as the laws started changing, you know, it started, you know, Colorado was one of the first innovators out there. And I remember at some of these talks, Colorado said, we're not going to be the business. We don't want to be, I'm the biggest. We don't want to be the biggest. We want to be the innovators, sort of like uh, Silicon Valley. All right. And so that's what they are, but they're, they're leading. And one of the biggest things was through all the tax, the, the, the uh, laws that was created. So after that, I saw people coming in just for the money. And I tell people all the time, I says, you know, you see out there on the trees, on the telephone park, those are the vultures. Those are the investors that want to come in and invest in your business, and they'll end up taking it over because all they're interested in is making money. So I see this more and more and more. And I'm so happy now that the Last year, the farm bill was passed to allow, you know, farmers to grow hemp. And there's a lot of people all over the country, even people that are growing, some of the farmers growing CBD now are looking in the future and saying, in a couple of years, we're going to be switching over. Because they see that there was talk, and I've heard it from a number of people, you know, that CBD is 90% overpriced right now. And so it's going to be, and all these people coming in are going to be growing CBD, and it's going to be interesting at the at, at the you know the harvest time this year, seeing what's going to what's going to be fall on because there's a lot, going to be a lot of fallout. Some of the people that I know are already thinking, like I said, thinking about industrial hemp for fiber and for herd and for seed. So I'm changing my focus to be 90 percent industrial hemp. So as the hemp industry evolves and changes, yeah. how does the, uh, the iHemp revolution evolve and change? I see myself doing a lot more education, actually education, more or less not education for myself, but it's connecting people in different places. You know, 
um, you have to be responsibility for people that you're on your team. Yeah, responsibility for uh, the planet, you know, and responsibility for educating people and thriveability. That's one of the things. It's like, you know, responsibility, sustainability, and thriveability, and that's what I preach all the time. And so, if we all have this attitude, and have a mission to be on. You know, that's one of the most important things that I think in any business, and that's is a mission statement. You know, you have to know why you're in business. You know, you have to have a personal vision of what how, what kind of lifestyle that you want to want to live. But from that, if you're an entrepreneur, then you have to have a mission statement, because that mission statement it guides you, and it 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 tells everybody why you're in business. It tells everybody. It tells your uh, your team. It tells your uh, uh, suppliers, it tells your investors, it tells your customers why you're in business. See, people buy why you do things before they buy your product. So that's why it's so important to have a mission statement that tells everybody a short tagline and then what it is and everything. My tagline is inspiring people to do things that inspire them. That's the first thing that people say. Every one of my podcasts is, starts out with that and it ends with that when I go talking to people. So I look for people that believe in what I believe. And every entrepreneur should look for people that believe in what you believe. Trying to convince somebody and going for the masses. Right now, this hemp is not for the masses. It's for the innovators. It's for the uh, people that are, oh, I want to do this. So that's what runs your business. So uh, in terms of innovation, a lot of people ask us, what about hemp and bioplastics? Have you come across anyone uh, in your travels and that sort of thing? Yeah, there's a, a Mark uh, in Texas, and he made me some pens that have I have Revolution on it. It's from the uh, 3D printing that he made them. And he can make them actually out of a, a mold now, too. And is it made just all from hemp or Sunstrand has made the filament uh -huh. uh, on it and it's mostly hemp there's other uh, other p things in there but it's mainly hemp and um, you know they're doing a uh, you know a great job I just did an interview with uh, Trey yeah. I mean mm -hmm. you know uh, Riddle and uh, they're doing some great things with hemp they're they're building the processing they contract the with the Farmers, farmers to yeah. buy the product, they give them the seeds, they show them how to product, uh, you know, how to plant and everything else, and then they'll buy the crop for them. Um, and that's the way this industry is going to grow, is through co-ops and things like this here. And um, so I'm going to have, you know, trays uh, is going to be, you know, um, a regular uh, piece of my monthly uh, podcast. I just want to go back to something that you said a few minutes ago. Um, what is the difference between profitability and thriveability for a okay. business? Well, uh, it's another way of saying uh, profitability denotes you're going to make profit, but it doesn't tell where you can do the profit. Thriveability to me is sharing the profit with your team, with the community, and the earth, taking care of sustainability. So thriving in is long term. It's not holistically. You know, yeah. yeah. It's not, you know, people say long term profits, you know, it's 
that's five or ten years. We're ta I'm talking about generations, setting up a business that lasts for generations. And, and how do you do that? Well, it starts with your vision. The entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, you have a vision, you know, and you have a dream. Everything starts with a dream. So you have a dream of doing this, and then from that dream comes your mission statement. Once you have the mission statement, then you find ways. But the mission statement keeps you focused. Right. Instead of bouncing off the walls, if you don't have a mission statement, you're saying, oh, we'll do this. You know, that's why I call it playing life's game. But the thing is, a coach's job really is to keep you focused on your mission statement and where you're focused on and saying, hey, what are you doing over here? No, 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 over here. And give you things that will help you, you know, tools that you can use to keep you focused. And that's what good coaching is, you know. And uh, people say, well, you know, uh, I said, I might not be the coach for you. I don't know until we have a conversation. Right. If you don't believe in what I believe, I am the, definitely the wrong coach for you. You have to pick a coach that you that believes in, in whatever. Tell us about some of the businesses that you've worked with then, Coach. Um, you know, who, who have you worked with? And, you know, you were telling me the other day about a guy the, that, that is doing just what you described. Yeah, he's in CBD. Uh, and uh, this is his business is the Carolina Hemp Company, uh, Brian Bullman. And they're doing all kind of innovative stuff with their people. People love to work there. What they've done this year that no other business that I, I know of right now, especially in hemp, they set up a profit sharing already at the beginning of this year. That portion of the gross income, the gross, is shared with all the employees. He says that they had it. And I, I've stayed with Brian when my car broke down in Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> and so I went out in the hemp fields with them and pulled weeds and when their first harvest was out there. And I got to know him and then after time, and this time I, I did a podcast with him and then afterwards he was telling me all these things that he's doing. That's, and he says, yeah, we're doing like the triple bottom line. And so I, I commend him for doing that. That's what yeah. I'm, my coaching is all about, is to, to hey, build a, a thriving business, something that inspires you. You know, it has to inspire you. If it doesn't, it's like, eh, you gotta work on it a little bit more. What is the triple bottom line? People, planet, profit. All corporations out there right now, or say 99% of them or more, are the single bottom line. And then if we don't have the profit to this quarter, we'll lay off people, we'll, you know, we'll cut, cut corners, corners uh, we'll pollute the earth, we'll do all kinds of stuff, and that's what's going on. So how do businesses compete? How do triple bottom line businesses compete with a They don't compete. They don't, com they don't care about what the c competition is doing, all right? They care about what they're doing. How can we be better today than we was yesterday? How can we be better this week than we were yesterday? And it's, it's training, it's, it's focusing on your mission again, on what we believe in. This is what, and that's where your customers come from. You create a business that, that people believe in what you're, they're gonna play a little bit more. You don't have to be the best. I tell people that, that take the word best out of anything you're doing, because everybody's the best. Everybody uses that, it's a meaningless word anymore. You have a great product, Here's our mission. This is what we want to do. You know, my mission: inspiring people to do things that inspire them. And how does that mission statement 
maintain, attract and maintain good employees? How does that happen? Well, the employees have to believe in what you believe. That's your mission. If they don't believe it, uh, they're probably not a good fit for, for your team. It's attracting the good team, just like any sports. And what you're really doing is you're creating a culture in your business based on these principles, based on my mission statement and everything else. And so you, you end up having a line outside your door, the people that want to work with you because your people are on your team. And you have to genuinely want to help your people. You mentioned in an earlier conversation that you love sailing. Would you ever take the roadshow to sea? I'd love to do that. <sighs> I would love to do that. You know, I, I consider myself sort of an expert sailor. I've, I've raced, I've crewed. Um, I can handle large boats. Um, I chartered boats. I've owned several boats myself in the San Francisco Bay. Uh, sailing is another analogy that I like to use uh, in business because, you know, uh, people think that the success is in a straight line. You know, sailing is always tacking back and forth because of the winds and the, and the waves and the, and the uh, current. And that's what life is. That's what business is. And when we are sailing in San Francisco, we're in a fog. We're going out through the Golden Gate and would tack over and would come out of the fog and would see Sausalito, beautiful, sunny. And sometimes we just, oh, there's Sausalito. We drift over there and pretty soon our mission was to take paper out underneath the Golden Bridge. But we forgot about that and we ended up in Sausalito. How did we get here? Well. And sailing, uh, especially on the type of vessels that you're describing, is very much a team sport. It is, yeah. And see, that's another thing that I, you know, that, that every time I went out, I was teaching people to sail. And and the thing is that you know, being prepared again, it's things are going to happen, and no matter how prepared you are, you know, it things will happen. But you're able to navigate through those choppy waters. Right. A lot easier than, you know, if you weren't prepared. So do you believe we have a chance in this industry of correcting some of the some of the mistakes that we've made, you know, in, you know, free market capitalism and, and uh, you know, the war on drugs and all of those kind of things? Yeah, eventually. And, and we have to remember that your customers right now, or people you look for, are the early adapters. They're mm -hmm. not the, the, the main population out there, the majority. They're not ready until other people have tried this. So I see people out there trying to advertise to the main population. Now CBD has gotten a name, but it's, the main population still isn't ready. It's the early adapters that see somebody else doing it and so forth. So we, we always like to ask everyone this question, what would be your favorite product if you could imagine anything made out of hemp? I'm sitting in one right now. <laughs> <laughs> a hemp house. I have plans uh, to build a, you know, 250, 260 square foot house, 14 by 14, all hemp, uh, foot wide hempcrete, and uh, we're going to be building them. That's, that was one of my dreams way back when I started. I'm going to have some hemp houses. I, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but the dream, you know. Um, and if we, we learn, if we take care of people, if we take care of the planet, and we find a way to do that 
you know, that's the important thing. What's next for the, the roadshow? Where are you headed next? Um, I'm heading up to New York to visit a co-op up there. Um, and then from there, um, I'll be going back to, I'll spend some time in Allentown uh, back there. And then I'll be going back to pick up my Austin Healy in probably two weeks or from now or whenever it's going to be ready. And then after that, it'll be uh, going up to the New England states, um, visiting Vermont, uh, Massachusetts, uh, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Uh, I'll end up in Rhode Island over Labor Day weekend. It's a big uh, music festival there. And um, I know a lot of people there, and we always talk hemp, and we always do things. It's, it, I'll be camping for four days. And then after that, it's driving from Rhode Island for the next weekend to Nashville, Tennessee for the hemp, uh, uh, the Southern Hemp Expo with awesome. Morris Beagle. Yeah. And Freddie, how do people get in touch with you? How do they find your services? How do they find your podcast? I have a website called coachfreddie.com, uh, F-R-E-D-D-I-E. Um, and uh, that's a little bit about what I do. And you can reach out to me through there. Uh, the iHemp uh, Revolution podcast is on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just go into podcasts and put in iHemp, I-H-E-M-P, Revolution, and you'll find a podcast there. There are many personalities in this ever-expanding industry, but few that embody the spirit of hope and sustainability better than Coach Freddie. An infectious personality and zen-like outlook on life have propelled Coach around the country and he has formed a vast association of friends and business contacts within the industry. As always, please like and share and subscribe to the Hemp Entrepreneur Podcast. We are your weekly dose of hemp industry enlightenment, and we look forward to hearing from entrepreneurs who are inspired by what they heard. Please send us your Coach Freddy stories this week so we can share them with our followers in honor of an industrial hemp legend.